0: The following audio is from Harvest Fellowship. For more information about Harvest Fellowship, visit HarvestABQ.org. Good morning, church. Y'all doing good? Good. Uh, I had a good week. I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. Pastor Andrew and Madison and myself took uh, five of our students to uh, tour our regional Bible school in Waxahachie, Texas, and uh, just had a great time, and uh, my favorite part was uh, the late night worship with just hundreds of, of high school and college students just seeking the presence of God, and every time I'm in an atmosphere like that, I just have so much hope for the future and what this next generation uh, is going to bring in uh, their gifts. Into this world, and so I just wanted to take a minute and celebrate that. And I'll probably get in trouble for this, but today is Anna Mae's birthday, and I just want to say happy birthday, Anime. She she didn't tell me uh, when I told her good morning this morning, but her daughter told me, so I'm calling her out. Uh, that's what you get for not telling me. All right, so ha- happy birthday. Hey, didn't you love seeing all those kids for Dash for Cash? Holy cow! Did you know he had that many kids? I should say this. Did you know you had that many kids? Wow. That's a, that's a lot of kids. That was that was incredible. Incredible. Hey, one week to Easter. Can you believe next week is uh, is Easter? Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, thank you to everyone who uh, helped stuff the 25,000 uh, eggs. That was a lot of work. A lot of people stayed last week for our stuffing party, and then a lot of our, our life groups kind of pitched in this week, and we had people come by and take eggs home, and stuff them at home. and bring. I mean, it happened all kinds of ways this year. So thank you to everyone uh, who made that happen. And uh, I, I do want to make sure that we're clear on this. This afternoon is our prayer walk. This slide actually said Saturday, but it's today. It's it's today. And so um, I uh, would love for you to meet me at 333 over at Marie Hughes. We're going to set a timer, pray for 29 minutes, just kind of walk around the neighborhood there. And I know some of you might not be able to physically make it. And by the way, this is what I love about prayer is that, that the place you pray doesn't really matter. Like you can pray from anywhere. We kind of talked about that earlier this year in our, our prayer series. But I'll to be honest, I like going to places to pray. I just, I find something uh, special in that. So I'd love for you to join me. But if you can't make it, why don't you do this? Just set an alarm on your phone for 333. And when it goes just wherever you are, just, just stop and pray. Um, but if you're in a public place, you have to pray out loud. Um, so if you're in Target, you have to pray out loud. I'm teasing. You don't have to. But uh, I'd love for you to just, just to co- help help us cover uh, this extravaganza uh, event in prayer. You guys know this. Everything we do is spiritual first. You know that, right? Uh, it's it's not just about eggs or candy or, uh, man, we're going to grill an un. Godly amount of hot dogs. I mean, it's just—it's so many hot dogs. But it's not about any of that, right? It's spiritual first, and so that's what this afternoon's about. And then I'm so excited to uh, have water baptisms next Sunday on Easter Sunday. Just this morning, we had someone else uh, register for that. I think we're up to five or six now that are going to be baptized on Easter Sunday. This is going to be absolutely incredible. You still have time. You can—you can do that through the church center app. So. We're in a series right now, and I'll just kind of catch you up. It's a series called He Gets Us. It's about Jesus, and, and specifically it's about the humanity of Jesus. It's just kind of mind-blowing to think that God sent his son into the earth as a human to, to walk around and live on this earth as a man so that he could understand the things that we go through as humans, the, the pain, the joy, the all the emotions, all the things that like he understands. And so this series has just really been about Jesus and who he is and what he said and what he did. We're looking at different episodes of his life through the gospels. And then the part that is maybe the most exciting is and how he changes our lives. Just real quick, how many of you would say my life has been changed because I met Jesus? Would anyone say, yeah, that's that's my story, is that when I found Jesus my life changed. I'm reading a book right now called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. And uh, in the introduction, uh, the, the foreword is by a guy named Tim Mackey, and, and he and he wrote this. I just had to share it with you today. This kind of will set up our, our opening prayer this morning. We're gonna we're gonna pray in a minute. We're gonna we're gonna ask the Lord to speak to us today. We're gonna kind of position our hearts to hear from him through his word. I think this will set it up nicely. Tim Mackey writes: He says, Jesus of Nazareth, remember Remained as compelling and beautiful to me as ever. But due to many factors, I'm still sorting out all of those things, and even Jesus himself became more a set of ideas for me and less a dynamic person with whom I relate in my day to day activities. I found myself intellectually compelled by the story of Jesus and even personally moved, but I'd lost touch with a way of life marked with personal connection and intimacy with the one Jesus called Father and therefore with Jesus. Jesus himself. What I needed was more than just a new set of techniques to revitalize my prayer life. I really didn't know what I needed. All I knew was that Jesus felt like an artifact. The presence of God was an idea, but not an experience. And I didn't know what to do except hope that one day something would change, and by God's grace, something did change. Change. I don't know if you relate to that in any way. Um, I've grown, I grew up in church, I've been around it a long time, and I've had some seasons where my heart really related to that. Where I thought, you know, I've read the stories, I know a lot about Jesus, but there's seasons where I feel really, really close to him. There's seasons where I feel like, yeah, I, I still know about him, I'm still, you know, I'm following his way, but I'm not deeply connected and that was one of the desires of this series is that as a church that we would just fall just head over heels in love with Jesus. Uh, Part of the the tour of the the school that we took the the students on it happens to be the Bible college that Lisa and I went to and when uh, we graduated my parents bought uh, there's a there's a, a paved walkway up to one of the main buildings and they they you can buy a brick and put your you know inscribe your name on and so my parents bought a brick it has Jason and Lisa and our graduation you know years there and so so I took the students and we found it we found our brick and I took a picture you know and I texted it to Lisa and she just responded back she said the place we fell in love right do you have a place like that, like a, a special place with the person that you fell in love with, you know? And, and it just got me thinking about this, and, and I don't want to over, you know, I don't want to over, uh, you know, make it too much, this thing with Jesus. I want you to fall in love with Jesus, right? I want you to have some places in your life where you go, man, this was a place, this was a season, like, like I hope that that Harvest is a place like that, you go, man, this is a place I knew Jesus, but I just fell, I fell in love with him all over again, and so we're going to talk a little bit about Jesus today. What a great topic for church to talk about, right, Jesus, and so before we do that, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. This is something we do every week. We just pause, we pray. It's about 20 seconds, and the prayer goes like this in case you're new here. It's just like, Lord... I'm listening today and I want to hear your voice. So today as we open your word will you speak to me today? And what we found at Harvest is that when we do that, when we open our hearts to the Lord, that He is faithful to do that. Like we don't don't waste a Sunday, right? Like we don't have a Sunday go by that God doesn't visit us, that He doesn't speak to us, that He doesn't shape us and challenge us. But here's the deal. You have a lot to say about what happens these next few moments. And so I'd encourage you to just Kind of push everything aside, whatever happened this week. Focus, listen, uh, to, you know, open your heart to the Lord this morning. And so that's what we're going to pray. How many of you will pray that prayer with me this morning? Will you do that? All right, let's pray. So, Father, we believe in Your Word. We believe it's true. We believe it's living and active. And we believe that today that You have a message for us, for every single person, not just uh, the whole group, but every person. And so we just do this intentionally. We pause and we we say, Lord, we're. Listening. We want to hear your voice today. Will you speak to us in Jesus' name? And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Today I want to look at the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. Today is Palm Sunday, uh, next week is Easter. We're kind of looking at the, the part of the story that's leading up to the crucifixion that, that, that then sets up the resurrection. And today I just want to look at the last 24 hours of Jesus' life. This begins with something that we know uh, now, We they wouldn't have called it that uh, then, but we now know it's called the Last Supper. This, this is Jesus gathering gathering his friends, his disciples, and there's an insanely humble moment at the beginning of this Last Supper because Jesus, as the disciples are coming in, he stops them at the door and he does something just crazy. He washes their feet, all right? He washes their feet. Their feet would have been so dirty because they're wearing sandals, they're walking you know, through dirt uh, paved streets, and he stops them, and he washes their feet, and he does this because it sets up a, a moment for him to teach them a lesson and us a lesson. And, and in John, it says this, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus as, as he's coming to the end of washing their feet. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love one another. Your love for one another, I love this, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We could do an entire sermon on these two verses today, but I'm just going to have you kind of bookmark it. We might come back to it another message. But, but, but don't miss what Jesus is saying here in these final 24 hours. That we prove to the world that we are followers of Jesus by our love. We prove That our heart is following Jesus by, it's just, it's so simple. Like it almost, you kind of, like it can't be that simple. Like there should be more than that. But it's really, it's we just, we love and people know that we're followers of Jesus. After uh, this, Jesus predicts his betrayal, which is something we're going to talk a lot about today, and he predicts his death, and then the disciples, of course, are rocked by this news. I mean, uh, they, they've been with Jesus, you know, they, they followed him for a long time, and they, they, they've been with him, but but man, all of a sudden, you know, the, the plan is changing in their minds. They're like, what? Jesus, This? there has to be another way, and so Jesus says to them, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, what I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? So he's kind of forecasting beyond the crucifixion, beyond the resurrection. He says, I'm going to prepare a place, and when everything's ready, I'm going to come back for you so you'll always be with me where I am, and then you'll always know where I am going. And two chapters later, he adds this. He says, I've told you all of of this, so that you might have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. This week, I was reading uh, in the Glorify app. I I still, we gave that away last year, and I've just made it part of my daily routine, just reading those little devotionals. And, And this week, I was reading, and this was the quote. Some of you probably already saw this. G.K. Chesterton said, Jesus promised the disciples three things, that they would be completely fearless, absurdly happy, and in constant trouble. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I like the first two better than the last one, right? I, I'm like, ah, can we just do without that one? And that's kind of what Jesus is doing here at the Last Supper, is he's he's letting his disciples know, like, hey, there's there's trouble, there's trouble coming, but but don't worry. Like, I've got a plan. I'm going to my Father. I'm preparing a place. I'm going to come back for you. Like, like it's, you're going to survive this, right? You're going to Make it. What happens next in this story is where we'll actually focus uh, all, the most of our time today because it's a sad story of failure and betrayal. As we saw last week, Jesus invested in his 12 friends. Last week, we talked about, about the friendships that Jesus had. And, and in these 12 guys that we call him disciples, Jesus would have just called them friends. He, he mentored them. He trained them. He taught them. He, he empowered them. And, and, and he's getting ready, really, to, to kind of pass off the baton of leadership so that as he exits the scene, these 12 guys can take over but instead of, instead of grabbing the baton and running, they fail big time. I mean, big time. Let me just ask you a question. You don't even have to raise your hand because some of you might not want to. Just have any of you ever failed? Have you ever failed? Have you, I said you don't have to, but some of you needed it. You needed it. You just, it feels better to just get it out there, right? All right? So, so, so we've all failed. We know that. Have any of you ever let someone down? Have you ever let, have you ever let someone down? Come on. How about this? Have you ever been let down by someone? All right, that one's easier. Like yeah, 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 yeah. right. So today we're we're going to talk about this story that we see in Jesus' life of failure and betrayal. It's actually found in all four gospels. It's found in Matthew twenty-six, Mark fourteen, Luke twenty-two, and John eighteen. And I'm going to kind of bounce around through all four of them a little bit because they all give us uh, some unique details in this story. And we're going to learn about how Jesus gets us when it comes to failure and betrayal. Matthew chapter 26 verse 36 says this, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So last week, as we talked about Jesus and his friends, we saw how he had the twelve that he lived his life with, but then he had the three—Peter, James, and John—and we see that here. These three that are are just a little bit closer to him, right? And it says here that he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. The two sons of Zebedee are James and John. He pulls those three and he he kind of pulls them further into the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane. And he says, "Look, I need y'all to pray." With And then it says this, that Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled, sorrowful and troubled. I I, I was talking to Pastor Andrew yesterday, Pastor Madison, and, and I asked him, I said, you know, as we're talking about the humanity of Jesus, are there things that it's just hard for you to comprehend that that Jesus would have felt or encountered or or lived through, right? And and I love because you know Pastor Madison's our kids pastor, and she goes, it's hard for me to imagine Jesus as a kid, right? Like like that's just hard for me. Like it's hard for me to think of him as a kid. And, and we were talking about different things, and and I'll just be honest, this is one of those parts of uh, of his story where it says he began to be sorrowful and troubled. That it's just a a little bit hard for me. I mean, I, don't, I just, I like to think of Jesus as like, you know, being calm, cool, collected, in control, powerful, you know, courageous. I mean, I like, I like the version where he's flipping over the tables and the, you know, he's making all, talking to the Pharisees, and he's putting them in their place. I like that part of Jesus. But this side this side of humanity where he's sorrowful and troubled. It's just, it's a little bit hard for me to think that Jesus in this final moment is sorrowful and he's. Anxious, he's, he's anxious, right? He knows what's coming. The clock is ticking. His, his human side is having to wrestle with what's happening here. And, and it kind of reminded me of, of an episode in Jesus' life in John chapter 11 where Jesus finds out that his friend Lazarus passed away. It says this in John 11. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit. And it uses the same word. And he was troubled. And he says, Where have you laid him? He said, And they said, Come and see, Lord. And then we have the shortest verse in the Bible because as Jesus realizes that his friend Lazarus has died, it says this that Jesus wept. Again, this is just kind of hard for me. I don't know if it's hard for you or not, but it's hard for me to think that Jesus, the, the son of God is, is standing there looking into the tomb of his friend and he's weeping, he's troubled, he's sorrowful, he's anxious. But I will say this, it also it, it gives me great hope to know that my savior understands those moments of my life. Isn't that incredible? He's not just sitting up, you know, on a throne a long ways away like, well, those, I don't even know why he's crying. I've never felt that before. I don't understand. Like he really does understand when we have those moments in our life. And in verse 38, it says this, I, Matthew 26 again. It says, uh, then he said to, him, to them, my soul is overwhelmed and it's sorrow to the point of death. He says to Peter, James, and John, stay here and keep watch with me, right? I need you to stay up with me and pray with me. I need you to, to pay attention, right? And if you know the story, Jesus goes, he kind of walks off a little ways. He, he wasn't too far from Peter, James, and John, and, and he's praying, and he, and he comes back, and it says in verse 40, it says he returned to his disciples, and he found them doing what? You know the story. He found them what? Sleeping, Okay, just real quick, how many of you have ever fallen asleep while you were praying? Come on. You've done it. I know. I know. You've done it. I know you've done it. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. I'm praying. I'm just praying. I'm just, you know, this is part of why I walk and pray, right? It's hard to fall asleep while you're walking and praying, okay? But if I sit and I pray, I just don't last very long, all right? So I'll just be honest, all right? Some of you read this and you're like, come on, Peter and James and John. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, can't you just stay awake, you know? But I get it. I get it. I mean, it's late. He's there in this beautiful garden, you know, and it's been a long day, and, and they're just tired, and, they're, and they fall asleep. And Jesus comes back, and he, and he wakes them up, and he says, couldn't you guys just just stay up with me for, for just an hour? Just, like, like, couldn't you? It's he, 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 what he says to Peter. He says, Can, can't you just stay up with me? And it's this idea that in Jesus' um, most desperate hour, right, He's coming to the Father to process all the things that he's feeling, this sorrow, this anxiety. The, uh, the, the He knows what's coming, and he's processing that with the Lord, and he needs his best friends to just stay there and to be awake with him and to pray with him, and they can't even stay awake for an hour. And it's not only that, but this this actually happens 3 times, okay? He wakes them up, he goes to pray, he comes back, they're sleeping again. He wakes them up, he goes to pray, he comes back, and the third time they're they're sleeping again. I mean, 3 times. So, not only is Jesus dealing with the sorrow, the anxiety of the moment, but now he's also frustrated because his friends can't even stay awake to pray with him for an hour. In fact, I kind of find this last part even a little bit comical, that Jesus had to wake them up just so that he could be arrested, right? I mean, he comes back, and he kind of gives up at this point, and he wakes him up again in verse 45. He says, "He says, are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come. The hour is up, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. He says, rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer. In other words, Jesus sees in the distance that Here comes the the officers, right? They're coming and they're like, hey, you guys have been sleeping during prayer meeting, but I need you to wake up because now they're coming to arrest me. But before he's arrested, he faces a deeply personal betrayal I want, I want us to talk about this for a minute the betrayal verse 47 while he's still speaking judas one of the 12 arrived with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people and now the betrayer whose whose name we'll find out is judas he had arranged a signal with them this is the signal the one that i kiss is the man arrest him and going at once to jesus Judas said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. Now, I've heard this story um, most of my life, especially as we approach the Easter hol- holiday. And this year, I'm, I'm reading it, and I'll, I love these moments when you're reading the Bible and you're reading a story that you've read a bunch of times, but then all of a sudden you have a question that you've never had before. And that kind of happened to me, because as I read it, I just paused and thought, Judas Kissed. This is a really strange part of the story. Like I just have grown up hearing it and I've never questioned it. It's just, it's what happened. Judas, you know, the betrayer, he kisses Jesus. And, 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 and I don't know, this year it just, it hit me. I'm like, everyone would have known who Jesus was. Like, I mean, everyone knew. Like, he had been going around and raising the dead and healing the the sick and doing miracles and breaking bread and feeding the five thousand. Like, he was a, I mean, they didn't didn't have, you know, Instagram at the time, but he would have been an influencer, right? Like, everyone would have known who he was. And I thought, why did... Why did Judas have to point out who Jesus was? Like, everybody would have known who Jesus was. And I'll be honest, I've wrestled with it all week, and I was hoping by the end of the week, by this moment, I would have a profound revelation to share with you, and I don't. I just don't, except for this, except for that this is the deepest, most personal betrayal that we can imagine. Judas has walked with Jesus for these three years. They've they've done life together on every level. Judas has been there the entire time. He's seen who Jesus is. He's heard what he said, and this is our series, right? Who he is, what he said. This This is the thing, though. What we're after is in how he changes our life, and Judas never got to that part. He knew Jesus at a certain level He knew the things he did, he knew the things he said, but for whatever reason, he never allowed Jesus to transform his own life. And it's really sad because um, there's a part of the story that I'll, I'll read to you where, where we actually find out, because if you think about this, you have to wonder, like, well, what did Judas get out of this? Like, like why, did, why would he do this? And we find out that he goes to the chief priest and he says, what are you willing to give me if I deliver Jesus over to you? And if you read this, it says that they counted out for him 30 pieces of of silver, okay, thirty pieces of silver. Now, I I had to I counted out thirty silver quarters and I had to hide them in my pocket during dasher cash because the kids heard it in my pocket and they wanted it, but I needed it for this. Okay, so I'll give this later. Okay, I'll give this. I'll give this later. Thirty pieces of silver. Okay, these aren't real silver, they're, but they're silver cor- colored. Okay, you get it. Thirty pieces of silver is what Judas got in exchange for betraying his friend Jesus. And I just want to stack these up for just a moment so that you can see how small 30 pieces of silver is that Judas got to betray his friend Jesus. 30 pieces of silver is about the equivalent of six months of wages. So just imagine whatever your salary is, just divide it in half. And that's about what you would have received if you had gone to the chief priest and said, hey, I'll betray my friend Jesus. And I just, I just want to say to you today as you look at this tiny pile of quarters that it's never worth it. It's just never worth it. You know, the motivation in betrayal is that we think we're going to get something out of it that we couldn't get the other way. But I'm just telling you, it's never worth it. In fact, if you read Judas's story, what you find is that after... Um, the, the betrayal that he actually is deeply convicted and he goes back to the chief priest and he tries to give them uh, his his money back, the 30 pieces, and they won't even take it because it's blood money at this point. And so he just throws it into the temple and he walks out and, it, and it's so sad because he goes and he, and he hangs himself. He commits suicide because of what Judas felt for betraying his friend Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And what astounds me in this moment, Judas comes to Jesus, he kisses him, and Jesus looks at Judas and he says this. Jesus replied, Matthew 26, verse 50, do what you came for, friend. Do what you came for, friend. Um, I might call my betrayer a lot of names. Friend is not one of them. It's not one of the names that would be on my list. I mean, I, I don't know. What, I don't, I don't, you probably shouldn't say out loud the names that would come to your mind that you might call. But friend is not the name. And Jesus, he looks at Judas and he says, do what you need to, friend. Remember that this episode began with Jesus washing his disciples' feet and teaching his disciples that we're, they're going to know that we're his disciples because of our love, and now Jesus is modeling that type of love, the type of love that doesn't just love the people that are easy to love, but he loves his enemies. He loves his enemies. Now, I'll, just, I'll just be the first to admit it. Maybe you'll go with me on this. I don't think we do this very well. Like, by and large, the church doesn't do this very well because it's easy to love people that agree with us, but it's often hard for us to love people who disagree with us. I'll just give you, I'll give you an example that I think will make sense. This, this week, we had yet another school shooting. This time was in Nashville, Tennessee. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of school shootings. <laughs> uh, I think the church needs to, to, to increase our prayer game over, over this, this topic, over this area. But there's another school shooting. And before, I don't know if you noticed this, before the day ended, most of America had picked a side. Did you notice? I mean, I mean, like they were still—the ambulances were still at the school. They, like, they were still cleaning up. They were still sorting out what exactly had happened. The news was still coming out, and America was running to one side or the other. And 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 I mean, our, our grief lasted about this long, and immediately we picked a side and we started lobbying, um, you know, metaphorical rocks at the other side. We started talking about all the things and. and and, and, it, and it's not. It wasn't. It quickly moved from issues like we need to solve this, or we need to fix this, or we need to talk about this, to finger pointing and blaming, and what I just call rock throwing. It was like, well, you did this, and we have to do that, and you. Did, and, and I just noticed this in the in, in our culture how quickly this happens, and I think that this is kind of what happened in Jesus' story as well. So right after he says to Judas, he says, do what you must, friend, it says this, the men step forward, they seize Jesus, and they arrested him, and then it says, with that, one of Jesus' companions, this is Matthew's gospel, he doesn't call Peter out, but I'll just tell you, it's Peter, okay, you can read it in the other gospels, it says, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Y'all, the Bible is so much fun. I'm just telling you. I mean, it is such, it's so entertaining. It really is. Peter immediately reaches for his sword, which if you know Peter as a a character in the Bible. He's quite the character. This is not really a surprise because Peter was often a hothead, right? Peter often spoke without thinking, right? Um, Sometimes uh, when when Lisa and I are at dinner, you know, with with friends, sometimes she'll kick me under the table, right? Peter got kicked under the table a lot, okay? Are you getting me? Like, Peter said things, and the other, John's like, Peter, what? You, You know, and you know, that, that, that's who Peter is, right? He acted first and then figured out the consequences later. But here's, here's, another, here's another thing I thought of this time reading this story. I never had this thought. I thought, why did Peter have a sword with him that night anyway? That's not normal. Y'all, Peter brought a sword to a prayer meeting. Okay? Like this is never, I, I've heard this story dozens of times, and I've just, I've honestly always been like, get him, Peter. Yeah, stick, a, stick up for Jesus, right? But it hit me. Why did Peter have a sword with him in the first place? And then I thought this. I thought, I, I thought did Peter even mean to cut off the, the soldier's ear? His name, we, we learn in another gospel, is, is, is Malchus. And, and I just thought, like, either Peter is extremely lucky right or he's a highly skilled ninja it's one or the other right like like did he mean to did he have the precision right to cut off malchus ear and i don't know i don't really know okay but i love jesus response jesus looks at peter and he says in verse 52 he says put your sword away he says put your sword away and, and i actually think today that that might be a message that jesus would would share with the church. He'd say in light of whatever current event that we're fighting over, he'd say, "Hey church, just put your sword away." We're so quick. I'll say it this way. I'll say it this way. I don't want to imply you. I am so quick to draw my sword. I'm I'm just telling you. I'm so quick to draw the sword to in other words to I want to fight. I'm gonna initi- initiate. Like, like, come on, let's go. Let's, let's argue. Let's fight. Let's go. And I just, and this is Peter. And I think Jesus, as he said to Peter, would say to you and I today and to the church, he'd say, hey, guys, put your sword away. And then he does something extraordinary and he heals Malchus, the, the, the soldier. He, he heals him. Luke 22, verse 51. But Jesus answered, he says, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear, and he healed him, okay? Now, this is a part of the story that I really wish that we had more detail, all right? Do you ever sometimes read the Bible and wish, like, I think we need more detail about this? So so when I encounter that, I just sometimes kind of close my eyes, and I just imagine what, what I think this might have looked like, okay? And so to, to help you, I have to tell you a story from my childhood. Uh, my best friend growing up, his name was Steven, and we were always at Steven's house playing different games. And one day, my brother, Gerald, and I were at Steven's house, and we were playing just some like backyard baseball. And uh, Steven was a catcher uh, in, on our Little League team, so he was the catcher, and I was the, the pitcher, and my brother was, was batting, and um, we were having a great time. And then on one of the pitches, my brother, after he swung, he came all the way around like this. And as he came around, my friend Stephen, the catcher, happened to stand up just at the wrong time. And so he took the baseball bat square in the mouth. Okay? And like this fast, there is blood flowing everywhere, okay? And we're just, we're, we're like, oh, Stephen, oh my goodness. And he runs and he's crying and his mom comes out and she's trying to help and we're just like, ah, I can't believe this. And then Stephen's mom says, where are your teeth? And we did just like this. And so we went to the grassy area where we'd been playing baseball. My brother and I got on our hands and knees we dug through the grass, and we found my friend Stephen's two front teeth. It was nasty. And they took him to the emergency dental, and they, they fixed him. I don't know. All right, fixed him. And I'm thinking about that when I'm reading about Malchus and Peter and Jesus, okay? Because Peter cuts off Malchus' ear. Have you ever cut your ear? Have you ever cut your ear? They bleed a lot. Have you, have, have you ever noticed this? They, they bleed a lot. This would have been a bloody mess. Okay, the ear is laying on the ground, blood's splurting out. Jesus is looking at Peter. He's like, Peter, come on, man. We've been talking about this, right? And he looks at Malchus and he says, Malchus, I'm so sorry. Peter's been in anger management courses for about six months. We've, we've been dealing with this. He, he, he hasn't quite got it. I, I'm so sorry. You're, you're going to have to just, just forgive him, right? I mean, I, I, I don't know how this happens. And Jesus picks up the ear. And he puts it back on, which, by the way, we just kind of fly by that. Jesus put the ear back on Malchus, y'all. This is craziness. This, this whole story is full of so much fun. And he heals, he heals Malchus. So much fun. He heals Malchus, right? Can you imagine? Malchus gets home that night, right? And he walks in, his wife's like, hey, honey, how was your day? He's like, you'll never believe it. You'll just, you'll never believe it, right? She's like, try me, right? And then she notices blood, you know, <laughs> on, his, on his shirt. She's like, what? wait, Malchus, what happened? He's like, I told you, you would never believe me, right? Jesus heals, he heals Malchus, right? And, he, and, and then, I, I just, I, I love this, I love this. I love, we're, we're trying to learn from Jesus but on betrayal, on failure. And, and what we learn is, we learn that Jesus is so remarkable in the face of betrayal because he calls Judas his friend and he heals his arrester. Both of these are so remarkable. Now, I'll just, I'll lead the way here and I'll just admit that often it is hard for me to forgive, <laughs> okay? It is just, I don't know why. I have to work at it harder than Lisa does, all right? It's just, it's just hard for me, Okay? And so I'm learning from this because I'm looking at Jesus and, and this whole episode, and I learn that Jesus, he forgives so quickly. In fact, I might use this word, immediately. He forg- I mean, the moment that Judas kisses him, he looks at him and he calls him friend. Like he's already been forgiven. <laughs> Right, the the ears chopped off of the guy arresting him. I I'll be honest. I would have taken that moment to run. Right, like while well, you're finding your bloody ear, I'm out of here. Right, <laughs> Jesus picks the ear up. He, heal, he heals him. We learn about immediate forgiveness, and here's why this is so important. You you just need you need to know this is that when you hold on to your hurt, it eventually becomes hate. When you when you hold on to it, okay, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm helping you as a guy who's held on to too much hurt in his life, okay. I'm helping you that when you hold on to the hurt, that it eventually becomes hate. And what we learn from Jesus is this idea of immediate forgiveness. Jesus goes on and he tells Peter, he says, Peter, put your sword away, and he teaches him this lesson. He says, all that live by the sword will also die by the sword. And I I think there's actually, I think that's a powerful statement that's much more than just the physical act of drawing a sword. I think that Jesus is is giving us an implication on our souls. It's this idea that when we won't forgive others, (laughs) That God won't forgive us. Is that, is that hard to swallow? That when we don't forgive others, it, it says in Matthew 6, it says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your Father will not forgive you yours. This is such a hard lesson to, to grapple with. And, and I think it's because We're actually sinning when we hold someone's forgiveness hostage and we won't give it. There's actually some sin involved when when we hold on to that. And it's this idea, too, that when we won't forgive others, we become hard to forgive. Have you ever noticed that? That when, when we won't give forgiveness, it's hard for others to forgive us. And so what happens is it destroys our relationships. And when we hold on to unforgiveness, I'm just telling you, we rot from the inside out. So Jesus begins to tell Peter, he forgives, he, and he tells Peter, he said, Peter, I knew, I'm paraphrasing, he said, I knew this had to happen, and let me tell you why. Why? And I love that Jesus, is he's always teaching, even in this pressure-packed moment in his life. His life is in danger, he's, it's coming to the end, but he's teaching Peter and he's teaching us. And then we see a final betrayal. You know, Judas kind of always gets the, the brunt of the, 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 you know, he's the betrayer, right? But it says in verse 26, uh, ver- chapter 26, verse 56, It says, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. So it wasn't just Judas. It was all of the disciples. And I'm trying my best this week to wrap my head around how Jesus felt in this moment. That it wasn't just one of the twelve. That would have been pretty tough to stomach. But all of his disciples, all twelve, Even Peter, who a few moments ago was drawing a sword and ready to do whatever it took, they all leave Jesus. Can you imagine the disappointment that Jesus feels in his final hours? So this is why I love the next verse, because the next verse, Jesus shouts at his disciples. I'll read it for you. He says, "'You losers! I didn't want you to be my friends anyway!' Just forget my teachings, forget my promises, you're dead to me. Did you see that in your copy? (laughs) I saw some people trying to figure out which version I was reading out of. (laughs) It's the new Jason Living Translation. Okay, how many of you, you might have responded that way? Come on, be honest. I've been with you guys this whole time. I can't believe you're letting me down. Here's what actually happens. John chapter 20 now, verse 19, on the evening of that first week, uh, first day of the week, when the disciples were together with their doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came in, so now this is post-resurrection, and he comes in and he says, peace, be with you. And after he said this, he showed him his hands. He showed him his side. The disciples were overjoyed that they saw the Lord. And again, he said, peace be with you. And then watch this. He says this. He says, as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. And I've read this a bunch of times, but in the context of betrayal, that these are the guys that that fled in Jesus' final hours and now Jesus goes to the cross and he's resurrected and he comes back and he finds them and he looks at them and he says, guys, I still choose you. You are still going to be my representatives in this this world. I still have a plan for you. And then we see it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So again... Jesus is saying to the, the guys who left him, who failed to him, who betrayed him, he's saying, guys, I still choose you. I still have a plan for you. And now in Acts, he's saying, in fact, I'm going to equip you with a new level of power with the Holy Spirit. And you are going to be the ones to take my message into the earth. You are going to be the guys that continue my church. I'll just tell you, it's unbelievable to me how the disciples let Jesus down. But it's even more unbelievable to me how Jesus responded to their their failure. And it's even more unbelievable than that, that Jesus comes back and says, I still choose you. And listen to me, Harvest. God will still use you and I as well. That's the good news, right? That God still chooses to use those of us who have failed, which we raised our hands earlier. That's pretty much most all of us in the room. He's still choosing you. Now, I want to end with a couple of really practical things, all right? I want to to end with some practical because I know that some of you, as we're talking about Jesus' betrayal, is that you're relating because you are processing through a betrayal in your own life and so I just want to give you some some really practical what do you do when you've been betrayed and I just have um five things just and I'm we, we're going to do it fast you can tell because the worship team's coming what do you do when you've been betrayed are you ready for it you're you, you if you're taking notes you'll want this number one face it face it in other words you, got, you just got to acknowledge hey this happened to me right going to face it. Uh, i you going to put a name on it. This is the person. This is the event. This is the thing. What happens so often is that it happens, and then we just live in denial for so long. And I'm, and I'm here to tell you today, the way through it is first you just, you just got to face it. This happened to me. And the second part, if you don't like the first part, you're really not going to like the second part. Because the second part is this, and then you got to feel it. You just got to feel it. And I was talking with someone recently about the subject of grief and how if you look at grief in in the bible how they had a they had like a whole process to to sit in their grief. Like if you if you read, like, like they would sit and, and they would they would tear their clothes and, and they would put ash on themselves and, and they would it's this idea that that like for a little while I'm just gonna I'm gonna sit and I'm gonna feel the grief of this moment. And I'll just be honest, I don't like feeling those feelings any more than you do, but you have to feel them at the deepest level before you can do anything about them. You just got to, you have to face it, and you got to feel it. You got to, like, like, y'all, it's not going to be any fun at all to feel it. But you got to just let it, you got to let it work itself. And then, y'all, this, it just gets harder and harder and harder. I'm just telling you. Because then, then you're, you only have to do this if you want to be like Jesus, okay? If you don't want to be like Jesus, you don't have to. But here, then you forgive, that's so hard to forgive the person who hurt you i just want to remind you as we're talking about jesus what he did what he said jesus gets this part of our story his 12 best friends not one 12 best friends betrayed him he gets it and he forgave and he forgave quickly so you face it you feel it you forgive it then you focus on yourself you know the thing about when someone else has betrayed you is it's really easy to point the finger at them look what they did right and they did hurt you but in that we forget our own humanity we forget our own mistakes we forget all the things that that we've done and so as we're processing through this we get to this place of forgiveness then we can focus on ourselves and say you know what Lord I'm, I'm not looking at anyone else anymore I'm just looking at me Lord what do you want me to do How, help me grow help me mature help me become more like you help me Lord and you just, you just focus on yourself and then, and then here's, here's the last one I couldn't find a better way to say it I, I, I wish I could but y- you fellowship it <laughs> say what does that mean? Go ahead, say what does that mean? Okay, I'm glad I'm gonna tell you. Thank you, Jace. Philippians chapter. Why, why don't you stand with me? Actually, why don't you stand with me? Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 says this it says, I want to know Christ. Anyone here want to know Christ? I'm kind of tricking you, just so you know, okay? Not kind of, I am. It says, I want to know Christ. Yes. To know the power of his resurrection. That's next week. That's Easter. Anyone want to know the power of the resurrection? Woo, I'm totally tricking you now, okay? So exciting. Christ raised from the dead. That same power now lives in us. And so we have healing available. We have joy available. We have so much. We have promise. We have purpose. Oh man, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And... Participation in his sufferings. Come on, who wants to know sufferings of Christ? Yeah, no, none of us, right? That's, that's what I meant by I'm, I'm tricking you, right? Here, here's the thing about processing our failure and betrayal. There's a strange beauty in bringing that to Christ. Who understands it at the deepest level with you? And say, Jesus, I'm ready to fellowship with you. Like, like uh, let's share our sufferings for a little while. Kind of like, it's like a grief group, right? You get together with a with a grief group and you just kind of kind of all share your your grief stories, right? And, and you're all at different places, which gives someone the ability to go, I was there, I've been there, you're gonna make it. Except it's it's the best grief group ever because you get to come to Jesus with your betrayal and your hurt and your grief. And you can say, hey, Jesus, I do. I want to know you in every way. Yes, I want to know the power of your resurrection, but I think we should start here with sharing the suffering. I mean, the reality is we only talked about one episode of Jesus' suffering. We, we didn't even talk about the cross. We didn't talk about... the the torture that he went through when he went to the cross to pay the price for your sin and for my sin. Here's what I'm telling you. Jesus totally gets your suffering. So our worship team's gonna lead us in a final worship song. and and Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do it a little different today. If you have some suffering today, maybe it's betrayal, maybe it's something else. I don't know, some suffering that you'd say, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the suffering. As we sing this final song, don't wait for anybody else to be the first person. Just you be the first person. While we're singing this last song, would you, would you come to the front? Come, come to this area. Because at the end, I want to come and I want to lead you in a prayer where we, we surrender our sufferings to Christ. The, the one who gets it. Completely, who understands. And I'm just telling you, I've been praying all week long, all week long for, for this moment, that this would be a moment where you would, would be able to, to face it, to feel it, to find the, the ability to forgive, to focus on yourself, and then to get to this place where you say, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to fellowship with you and allow the healing that only Jesus can bring. So worship team, y'all come, help me in this. If that's you today and you need to respond and you're ready for the healing to come into your heart, would you, don't even wait, just come to the front, enjoy this final worship song, and then we're gonna pray together. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Fellowship Podcast. For more information, visit harvestabq.org.